Hey everybody, welcome to Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. I'm Tara. I'm Andrew. And this is the 47. 47. <laughs> Skipping straight from 28 to 47. 28. 29. 29. There's 19 secret episodes that we have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They're, we've scattered them around the internet. <laughs> Uh, so this is the 29th out of our 3,726 part series, wherein we choose a movie completely at random from the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, watch it, do some research, and tell you what we think. So the uh, the one cardinal rule is that we have to watch whatever movie we select, uh, and there's a couple of exceptions to that that we will invoke if the situation calls for it, but uh, as long as it's a movie that we haven't seen, we are honor bound to, to watch it. Yeah. So uh, last time we watched Destry Rides Again, one thing we didn't talk about last time we meant to bring up was uh, it, it was uh, something we should have considered for our How Racist Is This Movie Gonna Be Yeah. segment. We were still working on getting all the points on the scale locked down, so we I think we established that uh, one on the, the lower end of the scale is like an unintentionally racist grandmother. Not great. But... But comparatively, it could be worse. Uh... Number five we established was David Duke. So that gives you both ends of the spectrum at least. And I think we determined that the middle ground should be Mickey Rooney's character in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. We were talking about it earlier and I think we both agreed that Destry Reds again landed somewhere like probably a two. Is that what we had decided on? Not great. Not quite as unwittingly racist as I would expect for a movie that I'd give a one to, but not quite as blatantly racist as mickey rooney although there were some pretty bad moments yeah yeah there's like a really brief shot where there are a small group of just generic asian people who pop up their heads and and speak in some gibberish that's meant to be a quote-unquote asian language of some kind it's during like a commotion at the bar and they're kind of jabbing and shaking the bartender because they're excited but they're just like talking in some nonsense yeah, so there was no reason to have that in yeah. there apart from some, like, ho, 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 <laughs> look at these people who aren't like us. Oh, hilarious. hilarious. They sound different than we do, so comedy. Oh, they wear different clothes. Yeah. So yeah. that was pretty bad. And then um, Frenchie's maid. Yeah. Uh, she was a pretty bad black stereotypical like totally in the the sort of mammy trope yeah so i think i don't know maybe it maybe it does deserve a three maybe it does deserve a three like we were thinking two but now that i'm thinking about it more retrospect yeah i think this is a three okay so there you go that's our racism rating for destry rides again feel free to jot that down in your notebooks now (laughs) if you're keeping track it is tara's turn to pick a movie yeah and may it be a better movie than what I've been picking lately. <laughs> lately since the second time you picked one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Ever since the second time Andrew picked a movie. Yeah. I picked some Well, you picked some R.A.M. Yeah, it's not... In there. Yeah. Not not a total <laughs> nightmare. Okay, so, uh, close your eyes. Okay. Stop! got it okay we're gonna be watching pink flamingos oh shit so somehow neither one of us have, have seen this i don't like i 
For some reason, I've not seen a lot of John Waters movies. No, I haven't either. But this one, it can tell you particularly why I haven't seen it. Because mm-hmm. I've heard about one of the... Uh, one of the scenes? At least one of the... Yeah, I've heard some things. But yeah. but there's definitely one scene in particular that I've heard about where I'm like, Nah, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> well. Uh, so uh, I, I'll let the listeners wonder what scene that's going to be until yeah. we talk about it later. Yeah. Uh, uh, you ponder what that is. If you are familiar with the movie, <laughs> you already know what it is i'm pretty sure like if you've ever heard anything about this movie then you probably know what it is yes uh so pink flamingos 1972 directed by john waters and um scarecrow video movie guide says in many ways this is the quintessential cult film though it is nearly impossible to please absolutely every audience it is also just as difficult to offend absolutely every audience and that's exactly what this film does what makes this possible is the bizarre cast and the plot which focuses on a family advertising itself to be the most offensive people on the planet. And that's all they say. It's a very brief entry in the guide. So I think they, they know that the movie's reputation kind of precedes <laughs> itself. Yeah, they're like, that's all we need to say. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, interesting. I've not seen very many John Waters movies, but there's a pretty famous house in Seattle that has been called the Betty Page House for many years. And I think it was just about a year ago, year and a half, they added Divine to the mural. So it's basically this house that's alongside I-5 in North Seattle. And uh, it's just side by side, uh, paintings of Betty Page and Divine. A very logical combination. Yeah. Of, uh... <laughs> well, well, of like cult classic figures, yeah, like celebrities true. with a cult following. Yeah. Well, we'll be back with our thoughts and opinions on Pink Flamingos after this musical interlude. Okay, everybody, we are back, having had our eyes and ears violated by <laughs> flamingos. Uh, yeah, uh, I would say it's safe to say we were subjected to it. Right, it, it was a movie that I don't think either of us had ever planned on willingly just going out and watching. I, I mean, not that we were necessarily avoiding it, but I felt like it was something that I was going to see eventually somehow. I mean, I'm 38, and I have not deliberately gone out and seen it yet, so I wasn't in a big rush to watch it. No, no. I think the the, the little bits we knew about it in advance... Were a deterrent. Were definitely a deterrent. And I have to say, having now watched it, I've survived, but I also, <laughs> I also feel a need to completely clean our apartment and take, like, an hour-long shower. You know, the stuff that we knew about it going in, and we'll just... I don't need to really beat around the bush anymore, I don't no. think. The, the the dog shit eating scene, uh, like, we knew about that going in. That was pretty much the only thing that I really, really knew, knew, like, in terms of things that happened in the movie. Um, if I had known about the chicken scene, I don't think I would... Yeah. But, you know... I would have been even more reluctant. Yeah. Uh, but the, the dog shit scene, you know, since we didn't know at what point it happened in the movie, it just felt like it was a landmine that we were waiting to step on. We knew it was going to happen eventually, it just... When? Yeah, when was the question. We went in with a lot of trepidation. Yeah. And? And uh, not without reason. Yeah. uh, Uh, As we 
continued to learn. Yeah. So I guess we should just briefly say that we talked about it beforehand and characteristically, and we decided that we really cannot do a rating for this movie because it just defies being rated. It really does. If anything, it, it would be this. I mean, in some aspects, I want to say don't watch it because of the disgusting scenes. Like, it definitely turned my stomach a couple times. Yeah. There's some unpleasant shit in this movie. Yeah. There's also some really funny stuff. You can kind of see where Waters was coming from. He described it as an exercise in bad taste. Mm-hmm. And kind of was, was doing that. And, and also, um, I saw someone posit that making such a shocking movie was a way to get known. I think it was like the... a way to set, him par- set, set himself apart. I think it was maybe maybe it was the Roger Ebert review that said that yeah maybe that he it was kind of a way to jumpstart his career yeah so so no rating no rating and we we decided upon that before we read the review by Roger Ebert who also decided that he couldn't give it a rating so I feel like we're kind of justified in uh, <laughs> in wussing in out and yeah not... well he gave it a thumbs down but he said he couldn't give it a star rating true so... like, he did not like it he did not like it. And I will say that I didn't not like it, but... But like, I don't think... I don't know that I would ever want, want to watch no. it again. Yeah, it's like, it's a one and done for me, yeah. for sure. Like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And it's like, we both like Tim and Eric a lot, so, mm-hmm. and, you know, we're not... Yeah, we're not, we're not prudes. Right. We're not averse to gross-out humor. Yeah. Exactly. It's, uh... I, I mean, know. it's it's telling that something that was made almost 50 years ago, which is insane to me, um, right, could still be shocking. Well, part of the difference with something like Tim and Eric is that they're making gross things, but it's not like they're really going out and eating dog crap. A lot of the things that you see in this movie, apart from the murders yeah. of humans, like nothing is simulated. So I think that just puts it on a whole other plane. It's So like in a way, you kind of, Give them a little credit because they were so dedicated to what they were making. I don't know. It's weird. This is obviously very kind of like, to an extent, even really guerrilla filmmaking. Oh, totally. Um, And you can tell from the quality of the film and the sound. Right. Yeah. So I think not a movie that I need to see again, but also one that I can't be like, nobody should see this movie. Because I mean, it's a cultural touchstone. It totally is. So it's hard to be like... It totally is, but yeah. I guess shall we just yeah, kind of get into the plot? Discuss the plot. So basically, the the movie focuses on a family of four people, and it's uh, Divine, who is going by the name Babs Johnson, and uh, she is living with her mother Edie, who is mentally ill and who spends pretty much most of the movie in a playpen. Her son crackers and then her cotton and uh so they're they're living in a trailer and it's really mostly divine that is trying to maintain or it has some notoriety or or is known as the filthiest person alive and how do you even quantify that first of all so she's targeted by this husband and wife the marbles who are trying to steal the title of filthiest i guess people in their case alive from her they they want to have that notoriety themselves and and their way of going about that is to run a quote-unquote adoption clinic which is actually just like a 
baby producing machine from women that they abduct and keep captive in their basement and who are impregnated by their manservants Channing yeah yeah so they sell these babies that are produced by these kidnapped women uh to lesbian couples and then they use the money that they get from that to finance their ring or network of drug dealers who sell heroin at elementary schools in baltimore and and also businesses not just uh drug dealers (laughs) well yeah (laughs) don't seem like a very like you've got a nine month turnaround time on that and they only ever seem to have two women in their basement at any given time so not very effective right criminal masterminds yeah i mean they better be investing that money wisely that's all so yeah, this couple are, are very upset with Divine having this notoriety that they they want for themselves. And so they hire a spy, Cookie, to go out and go on a date with Crackers. And she goes out on a date with him, but it's really just a spy on Divine and uh, be able to find out where she lives. So Cookie ends up going on this date with Crackers and it's pretty awful. We'll just get skip straight to the the chicken. Oh God! Bit. So there, it, it's a sex scene involving live chickens, like real live chickens yeah. who get crushed between them. Yeah. And they're covered in in blood. It's pretty, it's awful. It's, it's awful. Pretty, pretty disturbing. Yeah. There, there's like an interview in the copy of the movie that we watched with him at the very end. And he's like, "Well, I eat chicken, and uh, this chicken was going to be killed for food anyways." And I'm like. There's a difference between how, like, a farmer kills a chicken for food and... Well, you know, and even even if you're going to make the argument that chickens who are killed to become food are... So you can say, and a lot of people do, that they're not treated well. I can't say that being bought from one of these farmers and crushed between two actors yeah. is a better way of dying. Yeah. Or a more humane way of treating mm, right. an animal. Pretty unpleasant. Like, it was unpleasant very, enough. Very, very, very unpleasant. Before we, we got confirmation that it was a live yeah. chicken. I would argue that that is the most unpleasant yeah. scene in the movie. Depending on, you know, your views on certain things. Right. You know, maybe disagree. But to me, I think that was the worst. I definitely was kind of a little shell-shocked after seeing that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine being one of those actors and going through with that. Oh my god. Well, I guess the guy that played Crackers never acted again. And who knows, like, uh, th- what role that part played in that decision. Right. But, uh, yeah, not too surprising. Like, if that was my first acting job and that was part of it, I'd be like, yeah, maybe this acting thing is not... Maybe it's not all it's cracked up my, to be. Yeah, not what I'm meant to do. Anyways, moving along. Yeah. So, Cookie then gets enough dirt on Divine and her family to go back to the marbles and dish on her whereabouts. Cookie tells them that Divine's having a birthday party coming up, and so they're really excited about that as an opportunity to go and spy on Divine in this party and figure out how they can take this title away. Uh, So the first thing they do is they send a box of crap yeah. Of actual crap and that's, to Divine. Yeah, and when I saw that, I'm like, oh. Oh, great. Oh, no, is this, is this it? But it's no, not, no, 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 that's not it. Not clear that it was dog shit, so I'm like, well, this is probably not the scene. It's just another... Just another poop scene. Just another poop scene yeah. in the movie. Yeah, one of many Gotta poops. have at least two. Any movie. Duh. Any Hollywood movie. You have to have two, <laughs> two poop scenes. <laughs> per movie. 
Vine gets understandably upset about this, and especially at the fact that the uh, the marbles had uh, put their return address as them being the filthiest people alive. And uh, so that is more, more the, so than getting the poop in the mail, I would say. Oh, I don't think, yeah, I don't think Divine was worried about getting the poop. It was yeah. more that these people are out trying to claim the title and they know where she lives. Yeah. So there's this birthday party that the marbles are kind of spying on from a distance and they're pretty horrified at uh, what's going on there. And rightfully so. There's the singing asshole, which was another thing that was... Uh, Something we never needed to see. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, where it was a dude literally um, showing off his, his asshole uh, and making it contract and expand. Yep, we don't need a dwell. Don't need to don't, go don't much further into detail than that, but it's a prolonged scene that both of us are just like, okay, this is still going yeah. on. So uh, that was just one of the many, many acts of depravity at this birthday party. The marbles were upset, not so much that it was grossing them out, but because it's Divine just... it was clearly so much filthier. Yeah, yeah. So they run off and call police saying that they're neighbors of Divine and they're tired of all these gross acts that are happening. Police show up and Divine and the other party goers end up killing the cops. Hacking up the bodies, and then the, everybody just decides to go to town and have a barbecue, a, a police barbecue. So the party ends, and uh, the, the marbles go over to the trailer where Divine and everybody are living, and then Divine and Crackers are at the same time going to the marbles' place, so they're spying on each other simultaneously. And the marbles end up just torching the trailer, burning it down, and they're like, we're the filthiest people alive! It's like, really? That's not filthy. That's a criminal act, but it's not, right. doesn't, you know, inherently... In, in a sense, you could say it's a cleansing act. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that place probably did need to be burned to the ground. So, Divine and Crackers do, however, spread filth, and they decide to put a curse on the Marble's home, and they're essentially rubbing themselves and licking every surface yeah. to curse the place with their filthiness. So while they're over there licking and spitting, they, they work themselves into quite a frenzy. And they're pretty excited. Yeah. And decide, you know, as you do, just incest is probably a good idea. Yeah. When you're of filthy. Of course. Yeah. Filthy. And to be fair, that is top tier filth. They're, they really are at the top of the filth game. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, oh, yeah. I don't know what the marbles thought they were getting no, themselves they, into. No, they're way out of... Uh... <laughs> Out of their deaths, <laughs> trying to go up against uh, Divine there. Yeah. So while while they're um, having whatever, these relations... Um, All sucks. Yep. <laughs> Which it shows. Like it, uh, it actually shows it, this, yeah. Yeah, not an unflinching look at that. We're like, okay, I did not know that this was in the movie. Oh, this is also, a great viewing for a Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, the um, Lord's Day. Yeah. So Divine and Crackers are interrupted when they hear somebody is in the house and they go and find Channing locked up in a closet and so they're upset like what the hell are you doing here and Channing reveals that there are two women locked down in the basement so Divine and Crackers drag Channing down to the basement unlock the women hand them a knife and say do what you want and take off oh boy we're almost we're almost done people thank god we're gonna make it uh are we Come on, we, we have can do to. it. We, we have rally. to. Yeah, yeah. We're okay. gonna make we it. We can do it. Okay, Divine and Crackers take off to head back home, and not long after the marbles arrive, 
and they're sitting in their living room just gleeful that they were able to take down Divine by torching her trailer when and this was like one of the funniest things to me yeah their couch and chair reject them yeah because the, the um, cushions push them up off they just like, push them up off of the off the, the couch sofa. and this and the and the chair to like no you can't sit here anymore yeah. <laughs> so i thought that, that, that was, was actually a pretty funny pretty funny yeah yeah it's yeah it's next like, level yeah, cursing yeah next, <laughs> next level filth i mean yeah. she's at the top of her game at the bottom of her game you might say so they get uh, rejected by the furniture and they realize that things are seriously awry. They, they find that Channing has been released from the closet and then they come to the conclusion like, oh, if he's escaped, we should probably check to see if we still have the woman. They're still being held captive and they're not. And they see the Channing's genitalia-less corpse down in the basement where the women were being kept and they are not too happy. It's at this point that uh, Divine and, and Crackers... They've gone back and they've seen that the trailer has been burnt down to the ground and that obviously makes them real, real mad. And so they go back to the marbles place to exact their revenge and they get to the house, they drag the marbles out of there and they decide that they're just going to have themselves a kangaroo court session and put the, the marbles on trial. And, and again, I would say this is one of the other funny parts of the movie. They invite the press to come and watch this entire court scene unfold and the and the punishment. I thought that was like a nice commentary on news media. Yeah. They would stand by and watch this without yeah without in, without like interjecting interjecting. Yeah. They uh, they hold the trial and they find the marbles guilty. The marbles are like bound and gagged, so they don't have any opportunity to defend themselves. But it, there's really no point in them trying to defend right. themselves either because the courts not. <laughs> Uh, the Not court. a legit court, yeah. Uh, yeah, this court, the, the this outcome, really upstanding court. Yeah, the outcome has been predetermined. Uh, <laughs> of, so, of Divine and her cohorts. Yeah, so they, they find them guilty. Surprise, surprise. And then... Guilty. Not only are they guilty, but they're guilty of first-degree stupidity and assholeism. Just insult to injury. Insult to impending injury. So they shoot both the marbles. And that's pretty much it. They then decide that they're going to get on the road, get out of there, just because there's going to be too much heat from the, the murders that they've just committed and have the press be witness to. There's some yeah. threats made to the press about what they'll do if the press doesn't actually report on this story. And so they decide that the, they're going to take off to Boise, Idaho, which was a reference to some bullshit homosexual scandal that took place in the, the mid to late 50s in Boise, I think. The, there's a... Uh, that was the intent and referencing that that was where they were going to be heading to next for on on john waters his part yep uh and and we're done and, and we're done oh wait we're, oh wait uh, oh wait uh so it, it's just fourth wall breaking too because uh john waters who's been doing narration throughout the course of the movie here and there is like well, now we're going to see that Divine isn't just... A isn't just the filthiest... ...person alive. She's the filthiest actress, actress. alive. Yeah. And, uh, and they show Divine getting some fresh dog poop and eating it. And that's the end of the movie. It's weird because the whole spoiler thing... Like, spoiler, she, she eats dog <laughs> shit at the end of the movie. Like, we knew about it going in. And I, I was like, well, maybe, you know, knowing it happens is going to lessen the impact. But not... It's still pretty horrifying to watch. Yep. The end. The end. So to briefly just continue talking about that final scene, uh, here's some fun facts we learned about <laughs> about the process of doing that. 
Yeah. So Divine later said in an interview that after filming that scene, he called an ER nurse pretending that his child had eaten dog feces to ask about possible harmful effects, and uh, there were none. And obviously, something like that, it's career-defining, for better or for worse, and that's uh, what uh, Divine found out to be the case as well. Like, uh, later in life, he would say that it was what he was best known for, and that people would uh, send him boxes of plastic dog shit. That He'd gone to parties where people would just sit around and talk about dog shit because they thought that that's all he wanted to talk about. Which it really seems like that would be the opposite of the case. Like, uh, that would be the last thing I'd want to talk about. Uh, But, uh... No, he he just loves it so much. He ate it that time, so he must just be real aficionado of of dog shit. I thought that what I thought was really funny too about reading up about um, Divine, aka Harris Glenn Nolstead, his given name, that he'd been pretty spoiled by his parents, and his mom had made a comment later on in an interview that she couldn't believe some of the conditions that were on the film, like that he did it because he was so used to eating all this like rich food and having a comfortable lifestyle so mm-hmm. <sighs> huh. so divine had actually requested that his mom never watch the movie a wish that she obliged apparently several years before he died his mother Frances had asked if he really had eaten dog poop for the movie to which he just looked at his mom with a twinkle in his blue eyes laughed and said Mom, you wouldn't believe what they can do nowadays with trick photography, which is a nice way to spare his mother, yeah, his mother yeah. the knowledge that her her only son had eaten a dog poop deliberately on De- film. Yeah, uh, good, with his real mouth. A good son for yeah. sure. Yeah, not just with the last scene. I think not even that long into the movie, where her and I were both like, "How did they show this movie anywhere? Anywhere?" Just, and um. And part of the answer to that is that uh, when it premiered, they showed it at the University of Baltimore as part of the Baltimore Film Fest. And one of the reasons they premiered it there, at least, was because premiering it there allowed them to kind of bypass Maryland's film censor, who, who was not a big fan of John Waters' work, uh, unsurprisingly. A good call on his part. Um, John Waters later was talking about this specific lady, uh, Mary Avaya, and was like, yeah, she hated me. And uh, when the film was being released commercially, she did make some cuts to it. She cut like three things from the movie. But oddly enough, the scene at the very end, the, the dog dog poop scene, did not get cuts. That got left in. So, And John Waters did an interview with the AV Club later and he, talking about this. And he's like, she really wanted to cut that dog doo-doo. It made her so mad because there were no laws. She couldn't find a law that said you couldn't eat shit. <laughs> Just like, you know, there's no laws about a dog not being able to play basketball. There's Well, well, at least with one of those, you think it's so unlikely that anybody would ever want to do it that nobody thought that they needed to make a law about it. Was it which one we were talking about? I don't, I don't know. I'll let, I'll, let you, okay. I'll let you figure that I'll one figure, out. I'll think about that. Think <laughs> on it. So speaking of um, the difficulty in getting this movie shown because of the content, uh, it actually was declared illegal in Switzerland and Hicksville, Long Island. Um, and, and there are other countries that would not allow it to be released, at least for, for long periods of time. Yeah. Like, I think, Australia okay. and Canada and uh, some other places. But interestingly enough, uh, it's been shown uncut on television in Austria. 
what can you not put on TV in Austria, I wonder? Like, if that can be shown uncut, that is pretty lenient. That's incredibly lenient. Um, especially, the, like, the oral sex scene, for fuck's sake. I mean, uh, it's that's pretty intense. And, yeah, uh, I mean... What is not intense about this movie? Yeah. I think that scene in particular, John Waters later said that he regretted putting into the movie just because Divine and the actor who played Crackers were friends in real life. But the the reason, one of the reasons why he did it was because he was trying to kind of take a jab at the the porno chic. Uh, what what he called the rise of porno chic. Yeah, um, I think it was generally specifically referring to the fact that Deep Throat had been released that same year, and so like he was including that scene kind of as a a jab at that. So John Waters wanted to do a sequel to Pink Flamingos. Like in the mid 80s he had written a script for a sequel and Divine didn't really want to be a part of it because he was getting more male focused roles at the time and Troma, you know, of course Troma, like who else is gonna uh, pick up the, the sequel to Pink Flamingos. But uh, Troma was like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We'll make Pink Flamingos too for you. But I think it, part of the reason, not just uh, like Divine refusing mm-hmm. to do it, but also it was the fact that their editing equipment at Troma was really shitty and old, which also is not surprising. Yeah. That was another reason that John Waters kind of pulled the plug on that. Yeah, and I think I saw that Edith Massey had passed away as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. About the time he was considering a sequel. So he was just like, okay, no. Fair enough. Although there is a script version of it in one of his books that yeah. I'm curious now to read just to see what could possibly have been done with the sequel. Do what I couldn't know? have been done? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> pretty much nothing is off limits after you've had incest and etc. The last thing I wanted to mention is famed director Gus Van Sant has called this an absolute classic piece of American cinema. Uh, right up there with The Birth of a Nation, Doctor Strange Love and Boom. So in particular, this has been a really impactful movie on gay cinema queer culture in general and a lot of people have named it as just like an important piece of filmmaking history i don't know like the fact that it went out to break so many boundaries or disrupt so many norms and all that so one other thing i saw was that pink flamingos had contributed to the rise of punk culture and um the music scene so yeah you know that that, makes sense i can totally see yeah yeah, so Pink Flamingos, there you go. There you go. That's the thing we saw. <laughs> we, we, we watched it. We saw it with our own eyeballs. And we don't know exactly how to feel about it. Yeah. Don't know that we... I don't regret having watched it, I would say. Yeah, I think regret would be too strong a word for how <laughs> I feel about watching it, having watched it. Yeah. For sure. Like I said, the fact that we can still be We've cold. seen a lot. Yeah, we've, we've seen some shit. Uh, and for us to still be able to react... So before, strongly. Yeah, at a movie. I don't know. I feel like it's... I don't... I mean, we've seen The Holy Mountain, and that horrified us in, in different ways, but not on the same level as, as this, I would say. Oh, definitely not. Movies from 1972 can still really pack a punch, and it's really a very potent movie still, and you gotta give it credit for that. Yeah. Whatever... What credit you want to give it, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Partial credit. Partial credit. <laughs> I, don't know. I just don't even know what to like. How to? Fe- I don't really don't know how to feel about so, this movie. Yeah, it is its own thing, and there's really nothing like it for better or for worse. Yeah, you you just can't you can't compare it really to anything. Yeah, apart from itself or or other John Waters films, I guess. Yeah. Okay, 
Yay. We're done. We're done. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's it for this episode. Uh, if you want to keep on top of our episode releases and, and things like that, we are all over the various social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Friendster, Napster. Uh, MySpace. LimeWire. LimeWire. Oh, yeah. Huzzah. All of those, I guess, are, those aren't really like social media necessarily, no. but <laughs> but relevant still though. Even, oh, so relevant. Yes. Uh, but you can also, if you have any comments, feedback, anything like that, you want to tell us, you can send us an email over at Tara and Andrew versus at gmail.com uh, versus spelled out V-R-S-U-S, of course. And our website also Tara and Andrew versus.com. Um, you can find our show notes, show notes and et cetera. Etc. And etc. 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 Wrap it up. <laughs> this movie destroyed. Our... our brains are mush. Yeah. 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 Uh, at this time, I would like to extend our deep gratitude to the Seattle band Boat for allowing us to use their song lately off the album Setting the Paces. Thank you, Boat. Thank you, Boats. I would also like to encourage everyone to go visit a local independent video store. Just go. Do it. <laughs> but yeah, there are places where you can find rare gems or obscure pieces of filth sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> such as pink flamingos or just foreign movies that you can't find anywhere else. In Seattle, we're very lucky to have Scarecrow Video. There's other stores outside of Seattle that fill a similar niche, so they, and they I'm sure, would appreciate your patronage. So yeah. support them if you can. So that's it for this episode, and until next time, catch you later, tags. Tags.